The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQRSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house. And anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. Where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live in the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you want to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com or SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and you'll see there's two videos at the top of the screen. The one uh, on the left is Bradley's show from Saturday, and uh, that's two hours worth of Bradley Dean. So if you miss that, you can still catch that up until 3 o'clock this afternoon, at which time he'll go live in that area. And then on the right side is where we're streaming. Just click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got. And then there's a Rumble icon in the bottom right. Click on that and you can join us in the chat over there. By the way, we are streaming on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're streaming on our Telegram channel, Sons of Liberty. 
We're streaming there. Uh, we're streaming on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty, Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, and also if you've got a Roku device, we're on Cutting Edge TV over there. And we appreciate all you guys' support on whatever platforms you're joining us on. Uh, also, right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Please do that and help support us. I mean, I, I can't tell you the amount of censorship. I, I just, it's incredible. It's incredible to the point where even stories won't even catch on virally. Okay, I, I, this is the, it's just incredible. It really is. But if you can help us in that, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you support our message, there's a donate button at the top of the page. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And that is also at the top. Our store is available, lots of products in there that are great conversation starters, as well as equipping tools. All right. And this week we're highlighting Bradley's The Prayer That Rocked the Capital DVD. This is the one where back in 2011 he made a prayer uh, and he was invited to do so at the Minnesota State House. And uh, within about 10 minutes, 2,000 outlets across America were bad mouthing him, putting words in his mouth that he did not say, uh, and attacking him simply because he had been going in America's public schools. That's the belly of the beast right there. You want to get rid of the pro? You want to get rid of the problem? Start training up your children yourself. Train them up right, the way the Lord says, Deuteronomy six, and quit sending them to state indoctrination centers. Those are not education centers. This is one of the things that really aggravates me about the whole education system. It's an indoctrination system by those who are godless. Let me let me just put it because you're not allowed to teach the Bible in schools. At least that's what they tell them. And if you do, if you dare uh, educate a child as to regards to his sin and how to correct that, then you're going to lose your job. But here was Bradley, who just simply making a prayer and uh, it was attacked. So normally this is a donation of $20. This week only through Saturday at midnight, you can get 50% uh, off by using the promo code prayer. So when you go to our store, you check out with this uh, DVD, you use promo code prayer, you will get... Um, 50% off of that. Now, a couple of quick headlines, and I got some short little videos I want to do before I bring on our guest. Um, if you guys have not seen uh, Dinesh D'Souza, and look, I'm not trying to praise that guy. I, I think he was completely wrong about Obama being anti-colonial. I mean, it's clear Obama was a, a colonialist when he was bringing all the refugees over and sticking them in certain parts of the country to grow that group of people in our midst, all right? He, he was just off on that, I'm just gonna tell you. But this 2000 Mules documentary, documentary, you can see at sonsoflibertymedia.com. If you've not been able to see it, I would highly recommend it. I mean, you've probably seen some of this stuff before, uh, but probably not put in the same kind of packaging. So you can check that out at sonsoflibertymedia.com. The video's there, and uh, we welcome you to do that. Also, the CDC has a new report out. 74.2 million people in the U.S. haven't had a COVID shot at all. That's their records. Now, I'm assuming there's the numbers are probably a little higher than that, but maybe they're not. Another 157 million refused the second or third dose after they got the first one. And I'll bet you... Some, a majority of those got sick or had some kind of adverse effect or they're dead and they're not able to take it. And we saw that in the tests as well, by the way, when they were doing the tests uh, behind the scenes before they rolled it out, they had so they had like 70 or 80% of the people who never came back for the second shot. 
And we're not told why. We're not told if they died. We're not told if they had some kind of severe adverse reaction or whatever and didn't come back and take it. Also, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, DHS coordinated with Chinese drone company to create the first totally surveilled city in America. If this isn't treason, I don't know what is. What is what is an American city doing collaborating with the Chinese government? Because a Chinese drone company is the Chinese government. All of those guys fund the Communist Party in China. I mean, they do. What are they doing there? This is out of Chula Vista, California. In case you want to check that out, that's at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Also, Computer Repairman reveals what happened on that fateful night he met Hunter Biden. You know, the guy that got his, his laptop. Check that out. Also, exploring the COVID scamdemic. Who is really receiving money from Big Pharma? Oh, this is some of your uh, representatives and senators up there in D.C., the District of uh, Criminals. Conflict of interest. Biden's new press secretary in a relationship with CNN reporter. Listen, this is why this is one of those crimes against nature. Okay. These are lesbians. It's a crime. It's not a different lifestyle. It is a crime. I don't care what the Supreme Court has said. They have no standing to say that about state law. They don't rule on state law in that in that measure. They don't. Um, but here it is. And this was, if I'm not mistaken, the 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 chick who's the press secretary was the chick who read that weird poem at Biden's inauguration. Yeah, it's her and a CNN reporter. It's a, it's a big problem. It really is. All right, so I got a couple of short little videos. They're not long at all. I'm going to hit these, and then we're going to bring in our guests, okay? Here is a new one that's out. This is a multi-million dollar ad campaign to scare people into getting another shot because they can't convince them, and I think they've run out of bribes that they can give people. Check this out. Good evening. Health authorities have been forced to resort to scare tactics to get more South Australians triple vaccinated against COVID. A multi-million dollar ad campaign's been launched featuring patients who'd been double jammed but became so sick they almost died. And that's the message the government's sending with a new ad campaign that starts tonight. Even though I was young, healthy and double vaxxed, my lungs still struggle to breathe. COVID nearly killed me. This winter, remember, double vaxxed isn't fully vaxxed. Crikey! <laughs> I mean, it's like... Oh, oh, I had COVID. Are you sure about that? Who told you that? And how do they know? Because they still haven't proved SARS-CoV-2 even exists. And yet they're feeding the lie there to get you to go take the shot, which is going to make you sick. Sooner or later it is. Uh, you can see they threw everything in that shot except the kitchen sink. And we don't even know all of the stuff that they put in there. We're, we're finding it out as, as the documents are released. Here's another one. Uh, this is the chick that I... Frankly, I don't say this about a lot of people, but I, Kate and I talked this over, and Kate used to do um, cosmetic kind of stuff, and she said, this guy, this New Zealand prime minister, this chick, she said, she has all the features of a man. I'm, that's all I'm going to leave it at, okay? But watch what she does here, okay? Watch what she does. Oh, you're most welcome to join and for you guys on the radio, she's telling the guys, just go ahead and put the mask on. She doesn't have one on, but go ahead and put it on, you know, in case, you know, we're, could be a problem here. 
It turns into a spectator sport sometimes. <laughs> All right, who wants to kick off? Only accredited media, though, right? For this check, only accredited media can be a can be a part of of what's going on here. Uh, and then the final one is this one. Uh, if you haven't seen this, the World Economic Forum and the United Nations have signed an agreement to accelerate Agenda 2030. Check this, this out. This afternoon, the Secretary General and Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, will sign a, will witness the signing of a memorandum of understanding on a strategic partnership between the UN and the World Economic Forum, which outlines areas of cooperation to deepen engagement between the two institutions and to jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030 Agenda. All right, so here these criminals are getting together and there's nobody dealing with them. This is an attack not only on America, this is an attack on all the countries of the world. This is what they're doing. They're attacking the people. Now, I cannot for the life of them, well, I can, because of the criminals who have been left in office, they've been emboldened because they haven't been brought to justice. And justice is what guards our liberty. This is the thing that we're missing. And uh, that leads me into the fact that we have a guest on this morning. She's been on before, uh, Lauren Martell. She's running for attorney general here in the state, uh, the occupied, the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. And uh, I want to welcome her to the Sons of Liberty again. Uh, good morning, Lauren. Good morning. It's great to be here. I don't know if you can see behind me, but I got um, a new wooden flag made from some great patriots out of Tennessee. And it's in the 1776 flag and it says uh, liberty and justice for all. Amen. I don't know. Amen. It. It's behind me. It's amazing. It's so great. I love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> really it's really nice. Really nice. Good, good to see you again this morning. And uh, one of, let, let's 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 start this off right, because. An attorney general is like the chief prosecutor or whatever. She, the, the attorney general is supposed to be like the number one cop, if you will, as far as I'm concerned, in the state. And you've been already engaged in things outside of that office to where you're, you're, going, you're dealing with certain things. And uh, tell people a little bit about what got you into running for this office that you're in or that you're going for. Yes, thanks for asking. Sure. So, uh, Lauren Martell running for the Attorney General of the Great Palmetto State. Martell for AG.com is my website. I have been fighting these battles lately with strong advocates who have just had enough in South Carolina. Almost everything that you said over the last um, intro is something that we've been foot fighting and pushing back on. Um, you know, I won't wear a mask, I won't bow to tyrants. I won't submit to anyone but my God. I re recognize sovereignty and divine um, divine providence. And these things have really uh, drilled down, though, in lawfare. And my law practice has exponentially grown with people who are calling me or asking me to um, be retained to take these cases to help them push back against the government, that government overreach. And most recently, I think I'll start with this because it's just so horrifying that it's actually happening in our state without any sort of leadership interceding at this point. But the crime that's being broken right now and should be investigated by police officers and by our current attorney general, but he has failed to acknowledge these parents. I think he's set an appointment for some of them for some time out in the future at the end of this month. Um, the, the crime in real time that's going on is title 1615305. And are you familiar with that particular statute? I'm not. 
Well, this is one of the things too, that I have to say a quick shout out to all the audience that's listening. Look, the Office of Attorney General is a hugely important office. We need to win it in June, June 14th, because it's gone under the radar, under scrutinized, and our Attorney General standing down on the duty to defend good law is why we are in this place. Literally, it is that office. I know people get distracted by other, you know, and every office is important. Every person who's running against incumbents is important right now. But the fact is, is that the attorney general can in real time start investigations, prosecute crimes, make arrests, hold people accountable, break up monopolies, stop manipulations of the markets, um, stop pornography in schools, and file lawsuits to make sure that the people and the the good law of the Constitution is protected. And our incumbent has sat back and had a duty not to defend. He has taken a duty to implement a global agenda by standing down on protecting the people of our state. So I have started to do that through my private practice. And that's why I'm running. I'm running because the Republican Party, just as much as the Democrat Party, has absolutely failed to do the duty that they should to keep South Carolina a liberty-loving, free um, state. And so we need to look both at the, uh, not just the leftists and, and sort of have a general, they are the enemy. We need to look directly at our Republican leadership here too. Amen. Because the majority and a supermajority for over 20 years. And where has the Republican party come out and made a public statement about this porn in the schools? So I'm going to drill down on that for a little bit. I was hired by um, some parents in the Midlands, which is in the Columbia area, specifically Lexington District 5. And we put them on notice last week with a letter, which was called an immediate request to have these books, this crime stopped and have these books pulled from the library shelf. And also they're on uh, an approved list, reading list that goes out so children can go and get these books. Well, when my client uh, sent me the narrative of six of these books. And since then, they have pinpointed 10 more. So what I'm telling you is, even if we remove some of these books without an investigation into this, following the taxpayer money and how it's being spent, who's making these decisions and holding someone accountable, it's just going to keep coming back in. And when I read it, I was so horrified. It pushed, uh, it pushed so far past what obscene, lewd, um, unlawful material is. And that's clearly defined. It's very long and clearly defined in, um, in Title 16, which uh, that actually governs our crimes and offenses. And if you really go to Title six, uh, Title 16, Chapter 15, so 1615-305, it's called Disseminating, Procuring, or Promoting Obscenity, Unlawful Definitions and the Penalties for Doing So. And also talking about contraband. So we go in and we ask specifically, we clearly state these particular six books specifically to Lexington District 5. We specifically serve the individual school board because at this point they've been on notice for months that this this stuff is in the schools. And the reason why I'm not going to quote any of it is because I don't want to disseminate this kind of material, this pornography. So. I always reference it as an exhibit to my letters and my client also, as well as putting them on notice from a civil lawsuit that we would hold them, um, you know, personally liable because I can't go in right now and do an arrest 
But my client did go down to the police office and she did cite this code. And she said, there is a crime going on in the schools in Lexington District 5. They wanted to send her to a resource officer internally in the school first. And we discussed that. And I did not think that that was the best idea. I believe an outside police officer needs to investigate it. So instead of making the report at the school parking lot, she ended up making the report off campus with an individual independent, um, hopefully independent, um, investigate a police officer. Now, a report was taken, but nothing's been done so far. My understanding is the political will to stand down goes from the highest office to down into the police departments. And as I've been running for the state attorney general, I have had officers come up to me and say, thank you for running. Thank you for giving us a choice. There are so many crimes that are gone unprosecuted and no one's accountable for at the local level. And we need somebody who can help lead that. And that's a frightening thing because think about how many children's minds could be absolutely, you know, irreparably damaged from being subjected to pornography put out and disseminated by adults using taxpayer money to minor children. Well, Lauren, can I let me let me interject something here, Um, because it's not just that. You know, when I was a kid, I used to hear things like, you know, if you gave if you gave somebody who was underage a pornographic magazine, you were contributing to the delinquency of a minor. That was a that was a criminal charge. I don't see any of that going on. Furthermore, I don't see the enforcement of our sodomy laws. We have sodomy laws here in in South Carolina. And I saw Nikki Haley just wave it by when there was a, a sodomite couple who got married in Charleston. And we got all this kind of stuff, and you're talking about the the impression on the young minds. My question is, where does the state of South Carolina have any authority to be involved in the education of our children? Because I know where it came from in our Constitution. It didn't come from the beginning. That came after the War of Northern Aggression, and they wanted to push that on us. And Arnold Dabney, writing in the 1850s and 60s, was the one who said, they're going to push it on us. And you can see the results of it because he was pointing to the north and he says, this is what's going to happen here. I think somebody needs to stand up and say the state has no business in education at all. That is the jurisdiction of the parents because our laws and I've got the uh, the certified copy from the, the Library of Congress. Our laws are based on biblical law, and in no way did God instruct the state to educate the children, but rather he laid that in the lap of the parents. Well, that is a great point, and that's the overarching point. And one of the things that you have to really look at there, though, is don't wait for the government to make that happen. Parents actually need to make that happen. Amen. right, Right. Parents are in the Bible. So you can't wait for the cavalry to come over the hill for you to make that choice to pull the children out and then to fight and to say that your tax dollars aren't going there anymore. And that's unacceptable because really the taxpayer dollars are paying for this. And so every single taxpayer who's not banging the drum right now is absolutely um, complicit, complicit in it. So I suggested that other parents besides the particular parent that I represent go down and also file police reports. Maybe if enough police reports go on, there'll be pressure because what's happening is yet again, the coconut shell game in our um, elected officials that trickles into the enforcement arm of our, um, our 
the enforcement arm of the police officers and SLED didn't investigate and from the attorney general at the top down. So there's been a stand down still. And they're saying, well, the attorney general now needs to weigh in on this. So he'll probably come in a day late and a dollar short after many children have been subjected to this and do something right just to try to get elected, you know, in the next few weeks. Um, obviously, you're going to see Alan Wilson looking like an attorney general for three weeks out of four years because this is an election cycle. And this is why I need anyone who's listening in your audience to go to my website at martellforag.com and help me get elected because we, the people, can win the seat. It's just me versus the incumbent of 12 years who's notoriously um, self-serving. And, you know, you can just look up the plutonium deal with the $75 million. I won't dwell on that this morning, but look up some of these corrupt um, allegations against him and that he's a current defendant in a lawsuit with six other contracts where he uh, has contracted out with his old law firm or other pet law firms to get contingency fees and make his friends obscenely rich. And uh, while we're all masked up, businesses are shut down. And people are having, you know, dialogues as to who's essential and who's not. These are false narratives. And this is what's called circular logic. And you will never get the right outcome if you start with something that's wrong. COVID vaccines work. You're not going to end up, no matter how academic you are, no matter how much science you have in between that, the outcome is going to be false. And ultimately, this is what the, this is what we're being pushed up against from the silence of the Republican Party and from the pushing of a global deviant godless agenda that um, is promoting the most criminal deviant behavior right now is that children, minors can read whatever they want and parents shouldn't be able to book ban, right? So we were uh, invited to go on a journalist um, Zoom meeting for one of the local news stations in Columbia and we ended up just deciding not to do that interview because the, the first thing out of the journalist's mouth was, this is an opinion piece on book banning. And I stopped her right there and I said, no, this is not an opinion piece. I'm an attorney. There's facts involved in this and law, not opinion. And I also told her that this is not a book banning issue. This is hardcore, obscene porn being distributed and disseminated to minor children in South Carolina, which is directly in this code that I've been referencing. So um, everybody can go look that up. And, you know, I understand that it's not just Lexington District 5. It's in Fort Mill. It's in Charleston. It's in um, Horry County. It is pervasive throughout our entire state. And every single parent should find out the name of these six books. I have them. Um, I can actually list them for you if that's the most that I would end up really doing because I, again, don't want to be a participant, somebody with, you know, clear authority to protect children and to enforce the law of the state of South Carolina needs to go in and handle this. And parents, if they can't even talk about it and read these books, you know, the, the certain quotes out of these books out loud because it absolutely violates YouTube obscenity standards, We've got a problem that these are still floating around. You know, Lawn Boy um, is one of them by Jonathan Evison um, and Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. And, you know, these just sound like aliases anyway, that these people are, um, you know, writing these books and just 
throwing it out there and just throwing as much out there to see, you know, how far and how long they can do this. And parents need to get involved, just like you said. Um, look, don't expect the government to protect your inalienable rights. That's something that you have to do through your conviction with the Holy Spirit. And each person has an incredible amount of power. They just need to use it. And yeah. I think we need to line up a little bit more. Um, our founding fathers lined our, our man's law, our human law, our constitution, and our Bill of Rights, and then our founding laws, for which are, are necessary in, in some sort of governance. But they lined it up with divine providence. Yep. And when the attorney generals under Eric Holder came up with this plan through the the very elite intellectuals in the law schools. They created law review articles and law journals that absolutely flipped what the traditional attorney general's job was, the duty to defend the people and the law and protect the state. And they flipped it to if they thought a law was unconstitutional, they could stand down and they had the discretion not to defend it. So you see how that flipped completely. Yeah. And first law in South Carolina that went down um, under that because they targeted attorney general's office and secretaries of state. And you have two great challengers, me running for attorney general and Keith Blanford running for secretary of state to take back those offices for the people. We've, we're running campaigns for the people, by the people. And what happened is um, in 2008, well, it was later than that. It was like in, in the um, late 2000. Um, probably near 2010, uh, maybe a little bit later. And that might've even pre been right before Alan got in office, but he then took the same tactic, but it was the law between a man and a woman. And in the South Carolina code of laws, it was very clear, uh, particularly if you were going in for a family court issue that the code definitely def defined a marriage for the purposes of jurisdiction in the family court was defined between a man and a woman and the attorney general standing down on that and defending the law and thinking, well, maybe in my discretion, it might be unconstitutional. I'm not going to defend it. And it fell. And after that fell, he targeted the, the heritage act. And you remember what Alan Wilson did with the heritage act out of the gate, instead of defending the law, he acquiesced and said half of it was unconstitutional right out of the gate. And in the meantime, he didn't defend Charleston when riots were going on and there was destruction of property. Instead, they let everybody live in fear, wondering if they were going to be the next to be attacked. You know, there was a gentleman who was down just trying to protect a statue from being um, spray painted. And he was in fear for his life at that moment. And finally, police came and pulled him out. But to this day, he tells me no one was ever prosecuted. No one was ever arrested. So, yeah, well, I, people, you know, Lauren, people have, have been allowed to go in this kind of thing, and there's no justice being brought, and the people are the ones suffering. One of these is one that I, I think I sent to you back, was it earlier this year? I think it was earlier this year. And this is out of, this was from the Supreme Court of South Carolina, where the chief justice here has required Protective masks. There is no such thing. They don't stop anything. Even the manufacturer says this. In county and municipal courthouses, and he ordered 
a temp, a, a mandatory temperature check, whatever that's going to do for people, or you couldn't go in there to file your paperwork or whatever you were doing in, in the, in the, uh, in the courthouse. I dealt with a sheriff's deputy who's out there and I said, you know, this is unconstitutional. I said, this guy doesn't have authority to, to mandate me wearing anything or giving my arm over to be, you know, a temperature check or anything. And he goes, well, yeah, he determines all of the thing, all of the code or whatever the, the, um, I'm losing the word there. He determines all the stuff that goes on in the courthouses. And I passed this by Don. He said, that's unconstitutional. I've been in courthouses and they haven't been impressed. I said, well, I was in it just a couple of months before. And they didn't do it, but this guy was wanting to press me on it. And what do you do? What would an attorney general do with a chief justice who issues some kind of unlawful mandate like this for the courthouses? Well, that's a great point. That is a really, really good point. And um, and what ended up happening all across, and I think the word maybe that you were looking for is policy, because yes. policy, that word uh, that gets used a lot to create the leviathan of the administrative state and so normally laws are made by going through uh the legislature <laughs> which we've seen what a mess that is right i mean you get a good law absolutely in there and they, they they neutralize it and put a bunch of other things in there that absolutely just self-serve them so what have we seen really that's any really good coming out of the legislature at all lately that's for the last two years has in real time helped people. So what we have is we have these policies coming out and not just in the Supreme Court, but also, you know, Henry McMaster created policies yep. and executive orders. And then with the, what they end up doing, as I'm talking about the Leviathan of the administrative state, is they create um, appointed boards like Henry created the Accelerate SC which still operates. And that sort of was an unelected uh, group of people that he took advice from instead of looking to the legislature for the checks and balances. And, and the Supreme Court with the checks and balances is, you know, never supposed to make law. I mean, never supposed to create their own policy um, that would be enforced as though it were a law. And this is where people need to know their rights. And again, don't expect the government to educate you, the government to help you critically think, and the government to help you know what your rights are and your basic, one, God-given rights. Okay, God gave you free will and government didn't. Government was forcing mandates across the board, no exceptions. So God is in charge of the whole thing. And we have to then line up with um, the constitution. And what happened is in 2020, our, our general people, populace, although many, many strong patriots are in South Carolina, and this is why I'm very, very optimistic that we can win this in, Mar in uh, June, on June 14th, because there are the silent patriots who have been waiting for this opportunity to um, have their voices heard, and they've just been trying to get through and survive, but we need to bring South Carolina back. As I've been traveling around the state, there are so many places that are absolutely dilapidated and commercial buildings closed and, and and South Carolina needs to be vibrant again. And part of that is dialing back the overreaching, overbloated, unconstitutional agencies like DHEC and SC Bio and, and um, Amen. Yeah. And that, that, SC. That's another go, go back to that. Like uh, but uh, go ahead. You and then I will get back to your question because I will tell you a very specific story on on um, me being very concerned because I never really wore a mask in court. Yep. And uh, and I had a 
the bailiff come up to me and said, you know, you have to wear this mask. And I said, no, I don't. And I was just going in for a very quick hearing. It wasn't even going to be long. And I had my niece with me. I was thinking, you know, this is going to be fun. Let's do a work day. You know, she's 12. You want to, you want to make sure things look fun and good when you bring the 12 year to the court. Like it's justice works. We have a great system. Everybody's usually very cordial. There's decorum. Well, you know, this guy comes launching over to us and, and it was, there was a criminal trial going on upstairs. So he was in a normal bailiff. He was actually, you know, a sheriff armed up and very tall, very, he had a lot of, um, just ominous look, let's say intimidating look. Yeah. And so I knew he was going to come over. I just had that sense and he really pushed me on it. And I told him I had an exception because all of these ordinances have exceptions and the people who acquiesced cave too quickly. You know, you just, you should never cave on that. And if you don't say no now, it's not going to be easier to say no in six months when it's the next thing, the vaccine that came after the mask. So, um, he ended up. Yeah, Lauren, one of the, one of the things that gets me, you were making mention of uh, Henry McMaster and then him doing the whole thing of essential, non-essential businesses during the convids. Uh, Now we've got the, the Supreme Court justice who had his little thing going on with the mask mandate stuff. And one of the things that I found out is this. We have courts that are present themselves as government entities. And we have chancellors and probably some judges within the state of South Carolina who present themselves as agents of the state, and yet they have not filed for tax exemption, which means they're operating for profit. Okay. This is a big problem, and I know that they end up, they use municipal bonds, and they do things that they're not supposed to do with those things, and they bet against the people who come in their court system. It's as corrupt as can be, and I want to know something. Would you be one who would look at that, or have you even heard of this going on? Because I've I've got two letters sitting right here that state that a particular court, circuit court, is not tax exempt with the IRS, and a chancellor as well. And to me, this is criminal because they've opened themselves up. They're obviously doing things they're not supposed to do. And I'm, I'm kind of curious as to where a, an attorney general would fall in that. When you have courts operating for profit, well, what's the incentive to deliver justice? The incentive is to deliver to whoever's going to pay out the most. I mean, as far as I can see. Well, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. And every single time I tell people, there's nothing that's going to really happen unless we have an enforcement arm that's willing to do something. We've got crimes going on against children right now in schools and the police officers are like writing a report and that's it. Maybe if 10 or 20 parents actually file more reports, that'll happen. With the other situation, it does. Ha- I mean, it takes the public, um, the people to regain their power. Now, as the next attorney general, I'm going to have a huge job because there's so many things that need to be investigated. But I can assure you that where there's financial manipulation, where there's fraud, where there's a scam, where there's price gouging, where there's um, a monopoly, where there's an antitrust issue, if, where there's a crime being you know, against children, if there's a crime against the tax dollars, these things each need to be investigated. So what would need to happen is I would need to take a look at that and then set up an investigation with SLED and have people who have the um, ability to investigate thoroughly and then take a look at 
you know, who the perpetrators would be and whether it's a, you know, financial crime or whether it's a, you know, physical hardcore crime. These things are all under the, uh, the purview and the jurisdiction of the attorney general's office. It's a constitutional office that was created to help South Carolina defend. It's, a, it's one of the lines of defense from a legal perspective before you have to take anything to a kinetic perspective. We have a geo, it's an asymmetric geopolitical war going on and lawfare is being used. So what you're identifying, and, and it could very well be a problem, but as long as we're just identifying these problems, there is absolutely nothing that's going to happen unless I get elected on June 14th. And I'm running a shoestring campaign right now, and I really need the help of the people. So if your audience out there likes anything that I am saying, I have 1,500 signs. We're going about trying to take back South Carolina. I have some military people who are kindly and amazingly volunteering to help my campaign. It is 100% voluntary. I don't have high-priced, um, big-wig campaign paid people that tell me, you know, where to go or what to do. I want to try to go to every county. And if I can't, I want to try to do radio shows in every county. But these volunteer military guys that are trying to help me say, hey, we took Baghdad back in 14 days. Why can't we politically take South Carolina back in 30? And that's my challenge to the audience. I'm here as a great candidate. And it's just me again versus Alan. No Democrat in the race. We have to win this on June 14th. And we can win it, but it's going to take the people rising up. And just like, you know, just like the Kentucky Derby underdog winning, you know, the underhorse winning um, in, in many of those that, that it can be done. I mean, I don't give up on life. This is why I'm um, running. I help some people who the hospital protocols were going to give up on them. They'd been on a ventilator for 27 days. You've helped a lot of people like that. But I serve a God of supernatural miracles Amen. and we don't give up our life. And so when I was retained and we were able to get a heroic doctor in there who went in and got him a different protocol, I met him for the first time and gave him a hug. And he is alive today because we do not give up on life. We do not give up on the race. I mean, I can't tell you how many of the SCGOP establishment tell me, well, we really like you, but you have no chance. You're not going to win. Well, let me tell you, if we went at life like that, would we ever even play a sport? No. I played college tennis. If I went there and always thought I was going to lose or wasn't going to win, you know, or wasn't going to serve some good purpose in creating a platform to also speak the truth to the people to get reignited, it's your state. It's not the, go it's not the government state. The government's there to serve you for certain limited things like infrastructure and certain things. But as the next attorney general, I will push back on this overreach because I have been pushing back on it in my law practice. So why should I only help a few people who can take the time to engage in lawfare or hire a lawyer when I can help all of the people as the elected official? So I really do hope that, um, that people will get energized because, again, I came from this weekend at Rock Red and there were amazing speakers and a lot of people gave, you know, identified problems. But at the end of the day, what are the solutions? And that's what we have to take back. And we may have to think out of the box to do that, you know, and we well, may Lauren, need to. That's, yeah, excuse me. I, I don't mean to cut you off. I want to I interject some things here. Uh, um, one of our, our listeners has says, you know, I'm tired of hearing about investigation, investigation, because that's all we hear from government and there's never any resolve. And so I understand that sentiment. But you said we need some kind of enforcement arm to, to do that. Right. Well, I, I, I submit that neither the police 
nor the sheriff's office, for that matter, are constitutional. They're not listed in our constitution or the, or the, or the federal constitution, but I'll tell you who are the law enforcers, all right? Here, here this is. This is from Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15. To provide for the calling forth the militia to what? Execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. And who is that? Well, it's, it's not the National Guard. That is not what our, our, found, our founding fathers didn't have this idea of having a federalized militia. This is the people. This is the people themselves, just like in the book of Judges, uh, where we see the people are the ones who execute the law of God. And I want to know, you know, because we're establishing this in our county. We're establishing constitutional militia under our, well, we're starting it here under the elders of our church and including good men who want to do the right thing. And so there's got to be some edu- there's an education process to that and then some training that's got to be done as well. Uh, and it's going to all be out in the open. It's not anything secret. But I, I wonder, would an Attorney General Lauren Martell, w- would she recognize that the militia is the lawful means of executing the law? And would she institute calling upon them to help execute these things like what you're saying when the police, the police shouldn't need 30 people coming in with police reports. If they've got one person reporting it and they've got the evidence for this pornography in the schools, they should be acting on it. If they're not acting on it, they're not upholding their oath of office, which many of them end up not doing uh, with things like this. What about a constitutional militia? I mean, would you, would we call upon them to do that? Because I, I got to tell you, I see things going that way. The people are sick of not getting justice, giving, you know, politicians giving promises, but no justice being rendered. And I've said all along, I've been beating this drum for a while now. The real solution is the people themselves, just like what you're saying. The people themselves have to do that. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, would you support something like that? Well, certainly the militia is a constitutional, uh, it's, in the, it's in the Second Amendment. Sure. I mean, it's, so it's a constitutional thing. Where are they? What are they doing? Well, that, Why yeah. They, yeah, let me explain. You know, let me explain. Wait, let me just, let yeah, me go just ahead. kind of clarify that because, you know, I, I'm sure that they didn't mean to kind of poke me as that the fact that I'm like some sort of politician just up here talking about investigations. But until I get in office, I can't do those things, right? I can investigate as a private attorney individual cases, which I'm already doing, right? I can sue hospitals for, you know, insurance fraud. I can bring those things, you know, I can manipulation of the market, incentivizing COVID death, you know, the, but I'm one attorney doing one case at a time. That's why I need to be the attorney general, because then I'm one attorney that can do multiple investigations and cases at a time. You don't have an attorney general who's going to investigate. So the listener's right. But, I mean, you do have an opportunity now to elect someone who will. And this is before it goes to kinetic, right? I mean, this is, this is where we still try to do things all the above. And I submit to you that that's great, and it is, and that's the, um, that's the constitutional right, and that's what, you know, in the war between the states, they were fighting the, the second, you know, revolution for the sovereignty of the individual and states' rights. Um, do we have to go there? I mean, what I'm saying is I'm providing an opportunity and there's another candidate who's running for secretary of state who's providing an opportunity. And I know people don't think that our, I don't even call them machines. It's a voting system that was $51 million, you know, illusion. And, you know, whether that's going to be the, whether there's going to be a cheat or not, obviously I'm not acquiescing to the system itself. And I'm going to put people on notice about that. 
but we still need to turn out as people in numbers and in, in the mass numbers to overcome any cheats. We need to have poll watchers still and give it a try at this 2020 election. But if it needs to come to that, then that's what it needs to come to. I am not going to like lead that charge because I am not trained in that. I obviously will protect myself and my family and our, what we have to the best of my ability. But, you know, sure. Where are the militia, though, doing things besides going to Kinetic right now? Well, yeah, and that's that's sort of what I'm getting at. Uh, the militia has been demonized. It's been demonized by the people who are supposed to provide for it. This is this is what Congress is supposed to be providing to provide for those things. But there are many that are popping up, and some of them I get it. Some of them are a, a ragtag bunch of group who are looking for trouble or being weekend warriors, which some other people are like that too. But what I'm talking about is is men who will come together. And they're going to be there. They're going to train, and they're going to be the they're going to be the police force that's useful for when somebody like you you come in and you say, okay, we need this done here. And uh, you know, from my perspective, I've said it even as you know, if somebody was a, a sheriff, if I was a sheriff, one of the things I would do was deputize a lot of men, train them, and then go march on any of these abortion clinics. I know we have one down here, Rock Hill, or whatever, to shut it down because there's no law that protects. Baby murders. There's no law that does that to shut them down, to evacuate them, and then to say, "Look, you got 30 days to clean out your stuff. You commit another abortion, we're going to arrest you." In other words, it's giving them space to repent and to do the right thing. And this is we're so stuck in the thing of the thin blue line or something else. And I've told people, I said, "I'm fine with defunding the police, but there better be somebody to fill the vacuum, and that's the militia. You don't get rid of one." and trade it off if you're not going to fill it. And and so mine is, I'm like you, I, I want to look for a solution, and I want to look for a solution where the people take up their duty. The reason for a right to keep and bear arms is to be a part of that law enforcement agency, uh, which is not an official thing, but it's a constitutional thing, and that's the people to bring the law to bear. They're the ones that want to see justice, but they're the ones who are always demonized and pushed away for the, the agents of the state to do it. And as you said, You've got people taking in reports of these pornographic books. And what is what are the agents of state doing? Nothing. They're not right. doing anything. Uh, you're right. And I mean, look at what happened with the J6 people and, and things like that. I mean, it's out of control. And pretty soon it, it just it, it's how far are we going to let it slide before you stand and say no? And this is where I do think that um, the circular logic that I talked about earlier, the militia being demonized, that's not the truth right? It's, it's, it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It's what keeps our country and our particular state the most free because we have that second amendment. That's what makes our constitution different than any other constitution. And that's what keeps other people oppressed. And so a second amendment is very important. I supported um, when Sarah and Mark Lynch tried to, in Greenville, create a situation where they put um, something in on the books at a local level that said that they could arrest and fine local police officers if they um, if they acquiesced and agreed to help federal agents come in here and take people's guns. And I thought that that was the right step because, I mean, we're, we see what happened in Canada. We see what's happening around the world. We want to be proactive and we need to think out 10 more steps. You know, we've been really reactive and really defensive 
And we get caught up in that circular logic and then stay there and never get out of that. So, I mean, here's the fact, speak the truth. The militia is part of what makes the South Carolina and the United States Constitution the most free place in the world. And start speaking that narrative and re-educate people and talk on your godly authority and take back territory. And we can't wait for somebody else to do it. And I don't think the militia needs to go from zero to a, a battle. I mean, I think that there's organized things that they can do to start taking back that. And that's why I'm saying to everyone, those people that are, you know, part of that or, or people who are just at home listening or on their way to work right now, you know, each one of you has an authority that you can walk in and that you can make a difference. And we need to stop watching too much TV or even going down the rabbit holes of some of the, um, you know, this is a very great radio show and it's very truth telling. Um, but a lot of things where, where there's rabbit holes, people are going down rabbit holes and they're wasting their time. And I agree. Rearranging, yep. You know, the deck chairs on the Titanic. What we need to do is, is turn the boat. Amen. Amen. Well, that, and that's sort of what I'm, I'm getting at when I ask about the militia, because this has been something I've been on for a while. And I'm saying you start in the county so the counties can develop it. And people who are interested in that can go to tacticalcivics.com. You can learn your civic duties. We have duties as people, as citizens. We have duties that we're to fulfill. We have rights that are given to us by God so we can perform our duties. You know, just like a father, he's supposed to, a man of the house, he's supposed to take care of his own widows, Paul tells Timothy, and, and take care of all that's in his house. We, we understand that. And if he doesn't do so, he's worse than an unbeliever and he's denied the faith. Well, the same thing applies to us in the community. The, the men of the community, and I say specifically to men, people can call me misogynist if you want, but the men are to be the protectors. They are. That is our duty. That is not uh, something that is, you know, that, that some of these people want to come out and say misogynist. We're to do that. And uh, and so what, what I'm pitching there is a real solution that is attainable. If men in the community, and it doesn't take a lot, I don't think, we could we could do it with a small number of men because we have it with a volunteer fire department as well. Lauren, I, I don't know if you want to stay over a little bit. If you want to answer some questions or something like that, we can we can hold you or we can, uh, we can close out the show. Why don't we just say I can answer a couple of questions and okay. then I have to get ready for a couple other things going on this okay. morning. Um, it's been such an honor to be back on your show. Sure. You got about 20 seconds. You want to tell people where they can find out about you before we close out the radio? Yes, it's martelforag.com and you can go there to volunteer and donate. Like we said, we took... Baghdad back in uh, fifteen or fourteen days. Let's take South Carolina back until now until June fourteenth. Put the June fourteenth in there to to vote like you've never voted before. Walk your precincts on my website. You can download flyers. You can go out and you can um, and canvas for me. Um, if this is a campaign by the people for the people, and that's the only way I'm going to win Amen. with God. Lauren, we appreciate you. Hang on, guys. Check us out at SonsLibertyMedia.com for the rest of this. Catch Bradley at three. See you. Bye-bye. Okay. Did all right. Want- Hang on. Okay. We want we want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And um, I, you know, I've got some, I, there's some questions in here. Um, one is, do you have children in the public school system or are they homeschooled? That's one of the questions. That's a great question. Okay. And I'm really appreciative of that because that makes the people think that I'm young enough to do, to have children in <laughs> the public school right now. My children are grown. They did a mix of Christian private school and also public school. So I saw both of them. But 
they are now in their 30s and late 20s. So as they were going up, it, it wasn't as bad. It was getting, it was bad and it was, there were issues, but there were also issues in some of the private schools too. Um, and so I was able to see a lot of those things by the grace of God, both of my girls are very successful. So um, I've seen it from both sides, but I went to, I was like a, you know, volunteer mom in the school and things, and I could just walk right in. This was before they created them to be prisons. You know, I could just walk right in and volunteer yeah. in the room. You know, yeah. I, I think I all of the new, the new schools that are being built look just like prisons. They, that's what they look like. And, uh, and, and people sending their kids in there. And I, again, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah. And the, and the question she said, she just wanted to know, uh, if you walk what you talk. That's, that's why the question was asked. It wasn't trying to be invasive or something, just trying to find out, you know, if you, if you do what you say you're going to do. Um, there was some other ones in here as well. Uh, for, I missed the question somewhere. <laughs> I missed it in here in the midst of something. What is something else that, uh, when you, are facing these things. Now, you've been involved with a lot of these people with the Convid stuff, um, and you've helped a lot of people. It wasn't just the one person, right? You've helped several people. I think that I listened to you uh, over here in, what was it, Cornelius that night with Don and, and the uh, Ed and stuff, and, and we had you and Ed on. Um, but you've helped a lot of people. It wasn't just, and you weren't doing it for the limelight or anything like that. You just have a heart that you want to help people. I, I can see that. I, I see that in the way you present yourself for that. But uh, what are some other things that you're fighting against in that as well? And how would you work alongside a Henry McMaster? Okay, is that the question? That's one big question? Yeah, if you, if you want to take it and, and do that, that's fine. Yeah. Take it and break it down. Sometimes the lawyer and me... Yeah, sorry about that. Let me, let me ask no. you the first one first. The first one is, what are some of the other things besides the one issue that you talked about with the gentleman uh with the convids and they were doing that all that stuff and then you've done that in several cases haven't you it hasn't just been that one yeah. guy when you say um say that again convids i say the convids i here's the thing i don't believe they've ever isolated sars cov 2 so they've not proven right. it exists and my opinion is it's something else that's causing people to get sick it's not what they're claiming it is and one of the big, the big things that, that hardly anybody talks about is the rollout of new technology with 5G. Every time there's been a rollout where there's things that affect the, the radio waves, the, the, um, the frequencies, and the electromagnetic deal around the earth, right. people get sick and they get flu-like symptoms. And now we've had some of these things. So what I'm saying is, is you've helped other people besides just this one person, right? So I just wanted you. Okay, so I sure. and you're right, and that's circular logic, right? That's what I was talking about. You start with something that's right. wrong, and COVID is, a re, you know, COVID is going to kill you. That's circular logic, and then you're going to end up with outcomes that are wrong. And so you, as a critical thinker, did not take part in that narrative, and that was wise of you. Um, yes, many people. I hugged another gentleman who we helped get out against medical advice at Christmas. They were trying to um, ventilate him, and they were pushing really hard. They were scaring him, so his family, he's going to die if he walks out of here. They played oxygen games. I mean, I started to learn the real manipulations that were being used in the hospitals and how they treated the people so poorly. There were a lot of nice nurses that were just like, you know, doing what they thought was the right protocol, but 
overall, the leadership and the administration was basically treating people like they weren't even human. I'm pretty sure like dogs get treated better in some instances. And in those cases, the family members were um, given either a very brief window of time to visit or told, no, you can't visit and escorted out with security. It was awful. It was like being in an asymmetric geopolitical war. And these were the casualties. And I saw many casualties too, which is horrifying. Yes. Another reason running for attorney general. But that the one other success story that I can talk about where I met the gentleman at um, up in Rock Hill at a restaurant, also on the campaign trail, and hugged him. And he's alive today because he had a family who was strong enough to advocate for him. And they were also praying and godly. And they it was counterintuitive to walk out against medical advice, right? And you're thinking you're, they, they use all sorts of coercion. You know, your insurance is going to be cut off. You're not going to have this. You're not going to have that. You're going to die if you walk out of here. Well, he walked out in faith, and he's alive today. Amen. Amen. All right, so I've got a couple others, and I forget what the second one I, I threw in there, so I apologize. Uh, we've got another one, and I know that you don't have a large budget, but the question comes, uh, do you have anybody contributing that has a, that has a global agenda? Do you have anybody contributing that you know of that has a global agenda? World Economic Forum people, United Nations people, you got Bill Gates giving you some money, anything like this, that you want to disclose to people. Look, you can't determine who gives you money, but if you want to be, if you, if you know of anybody, can you tell people? No, I actually know pretty much most of the people or I've met them through traveling the state and then they've met me and they've donated. Um, a lot of my donations are $25, but if I could get, you know, a thousand people to give me $25, uh, that helps me buy signs, that helps me, you know, travel the state and that helps me get myself out there. Um, I will never go toe to toe with Alan Wilson. He spent $1.7 million in 2018 in the primary and the general. So he had a runoff, but um, no, the people who give to me are the people that have had enough. There have been people who have given to me that I didn't expect it. People who have maxed out $3,500. I've had four people do that. And they are all individuals who either were caught up in having a loved one be terrorized during this time, or they have seen human trafficking that has been, despite multi-million dollar budget, people are still going missing in, a, in areas like Myrtle Beach. <clears throat> so I've had a few people that have done that, and I really need more. So if there are people who can do that, I, I need that. It's a God wink to me every time that I am on the right track and that I'm doing the right thing. Um, I know, <clears throat> I know that, um, people enjoy the fact that I'm in this as a candidate, you know, on a shoestring budget and that there's a struggle and that's good because people say that demonstrates that I'm not, you know, owned. I don't have a pack that's behind me. I don't have a pack that's going to, you know, expose Alan Wilson for what he is. So I need the people to educate themselves and then educate their neighbors and talk about the importance of this vote coming up on June 14th. This needs to be as watched as the Kentucky Derby in our state. This needs to be a day where people get dressed up just like they do for a Kentucky Derby. This needs to be as massive as a Chick-fil-A line for the next three weeks out, right? And and go in there and the, that amount of people. We cannot afford to have a low turnout primary. 
We need to take back our territory. The churches need to get involved as much. There shouldn't be a separation of church and state. The strong pastors need to say we need to get godly people back into office, and they need to encourage people to look at my platform. And I'm saying homeschool families. This can be done through where I look like I'm a duck in water, but other people are are resounding the call to have a new person in office that's going to acknowledge inalienable rights and is never going to shut South Carolina down again and is never going to make sure that people are mandated or coerced or under duress. You know, we we talked about that on your last show. Gentlemen yeah. who were in high level power positions feeling duress and under coercion where their religious exemptions and their medical exemptions were blanket denied. That should never happen. And that would never happen with me as the next attorney general. Okay, Lauren, uh, a couple a couple others that we've got here. One, oh, I remember what I was going to ask you and see if I can tie it in with this one. How would you work with a Henry McMaster? And in that, this is sort of two questions. It's obviously two questions. But see, I don't see Henry doing anything about Lindsey Graham. And as far as I'm concerned, Lindsey Graham is a traitor to not only the United States, but South Carolina itself. We've seen him bring in uh, members that are tied with the Qatar Defense Ministry, and they they built a, a, an air base down here in South Carolina. Would you be one who would push to bring some charges against Lindsey Graham for his treason? And and how would you how would you work with uh, with Henry McMaster in that? I, I guess they're two different questions, but they they can kind of go yeah. along together. Right. There are definitely two different questions. One is, and let's not even talk about personalities. Let's go back to, uh, and our founding fathers were great about this. They said, hey, look, we're all imperfect. We're not, you know, this is why we're setting up a representative republic with checks and balances, because if one person goes off the rail or becomes corrupted, then you've got a checks and balances system. So what's out of balance is the checks and balances system has been gone. It's clogged up like a car that won't move. It's dysfunctional now. It's got overbloated, unelected agencies making the decisions. So let's say Henry McMaster's the next governor, right? He's he's being challenged too. And of course, everybody thinks, you know, can he win or not win? You know, people like these politicians, they're friends. So I got to vote for this guy. I mean, we've really got to get out of that circular logic too. We have a republic. If we can keep it, it's up to the people to go vote these guys out. If we think there's cheats going on, we still go out and vote. And then we lodge our complaints about um, either before and after or both uh, with the concern of the SEC. They're already under scrutiny right now. I mean, a lot of people aren't putting up with this anymore. A lot of people are done with the um, full on corruption. So will it be Henry McMaster? Maybe. Whoever the governor is, how does the attorney general, let's start having those dialogues because so much about personality is, you know, then we get hooked on, on Henry, but Henry has done some serious unconstitutional executive orders. He's done, he's pushed the envelope with these, like I said, um, unelected delegation and appointment of boards. The SEC is on Henry's hands right now. The, the, um, South Carolina Election Commission is appointed board by him. They're the ones that took it to the court. And then we had to spend taxpayer dollars because they wanted to get rid of the witness statement in absentee ballots, right? So it's a huge problem. So whoever's a governor, I'm going to tell them not to do unconstitutional. I would advise them not to 
you know, breach the Constitution. But, but, and, but let me let me let me add on to that. Let me add on that. You would tell them not to do it. But if they did it, would you then seek to do something about it, to push the the legislature to remove him from office and then prosecute him? I mean, we can't just give people advice and they ignore it and go commit crimes against the people with no repercussions there. I, that's, I think that's where the people get frustrated. They see the unconstitutionality, not only at the federal level, but at the state levels. And we can't. You, you obviously have to remove somebody from office first before you prosecute them. Would you be one who would who would advocate for that very openly uh, to the legislature to say, guys, this guy's violating the Constitution. I can prosecute him, but you've got to remove him from office first. Would you be a person who would do something like that? Well, it depends on whether it's a criminal part of the treason or whatever that looks like. But I would certainly want to follow the Constitution first before protecting any particular politician. So I hope that answers your question. Well, hang on, hang on. No, I, I don't think it does, because one of the questions, what, what I'm asking is, any violation of the Constitution is a violation of the law because the Constitution itself self declares it's the it law is. of the land. So it every is. violation so is a crime, there. right? Let me stop there. There's okay. civil and there's criminal. And the, the Attorney General does both. And Henry actually has a lot of attorneys that are private attorneys that he pays that is not the, that's not the Attorney General. He doesn't always get advice from the attorney general, or when he does, it's contradictory attorney general opinions that don't have any teeth. So I hear everybody's frustration, but you never move the ball forward unless you move, unless you get new people. Allen will never prosecute a politician, right? He's already had the Quinn and all of those. They're his friends. He's not going to prosecute overreaching politicians. But I'm not going to go out right now and say, you know, somebody has to bring me and I can investigate it. And I know people think that that's a bad word, but let me tell you something. If you were being charged with a crime, you'd want somebody to investigate. That oh, of course. Too. Yeah, of course. You want due process of law. So, I mean, I would, I'm just going to go back on what I would say is that no matter what you're bringing me, I'm going to use the constitution as the beacon. And I'm going to look to see if people, you know, through due process of law, if it's appropriate, and then it may be a civil situation and you'd have to look to see what the possibilities are with bringing somebody down there. But again, as attorney general, there is a limited amount that I can do. Um, now, if you bring me some things on other politicians, I'm willing to prosecute. I mean, Harry Kibler asked me straight up at Rhino Hunt, do you have any um, conflicts of interest that would stop you from investigating a politician and if the politician was breaking the law, either criminal law, then you prosecute. Civil law is a different thing. And that's like, there's part of the attorney general that deals with civil law, but, um, you know, that would have to be looked at to see whether it's, um, you know, a scam, fraud. I mean, these are things that are in the jurisdiction of the attorney generals. So yes, I would um, do that. I would look at seeing who the particular person is but the blanket general statement on specific people you know i mean we have to we have to drill down on that just like you would want me to drill down if sure your brother was you know. yeah and, and i get that and i i understand what i think what people meant by investigations is they've heard it so long congress needs to make an investigation and, and they never bring any resolve that's where they get frustrated i don't think they mind that there's an investigation of things that 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 Seems like that should come with the territory. But the thing is, once you've come to the end of that, that investigation, you see 
wait a minute, these people did break the law. They did break the law. And so now we're going, we're going to prosecute them. Let me ask another question here. Um, you've heard of the parental rights amendments. Uh, I, or I'm assuming you've heard some of those. Michael Ferris has been one who's pitched that. Uh, some other states and other people. We've even had it come out of the UN, parental rights and this, that, and the other. Do you support any of that kind of thing going on? Or, or would you be like I am and say, well, the government has no business in my jurisdiction of my home, so why do I want to put any language in anything to where it can be manipulated to be used against me? Do you support... Some kind. I mean, I know you support parental rights, but would you support any of these kind of parental rights amendments or legislation or any of that kind of stuff? Look, I'm not going to support anything that's going to go against the South Carolina Constitution. So if it's going to bre- if it's going to violate people's inalienable rights, and if it's going to dig into our our South Carolina Constitution, I'm not going to support that. And I always knew that the term again when you start using a narrative and you create words that the definitions. Um, take on a life of their own, like even human rights. That's such a United Nations globalist. Yep, it sure is. Acting. Really, there aren't any human rights. I mean, there's we have our individual rights that are that come from one God, and then two, acknowledging what the system of our government, which was created to be the most, you know, that the the actually most free system because it did those checks and balances acknowledging that men and and women can be corrupted so you need to have a system in place so it's not the personalities and it's not who knows who and it's not um i'm going to protect these people because they're my friend i mean look at what happened in in hampton county with the murdoch stuff that's where it ended up just being so unsustainable levels of corruption that it imploded on itself, you know, and that's where we are kind of as a, a state of uh, the state as a whole, not just Hampton County. And that was turning a blind eye to people in high places that apparently had bunches of money and not using the rule of law. And I'm a complete proponent of the rule of law of the South Carolina Constitution. And that's why I hope that people will go and vote for me on June 14th. And go to martellforag.com to sign up to volunteer and donate. Okay. All right. I think I'm all out of questions here, <laughs> here Lauren. Okay. So, yeah, we- so we've got that. And I, pre- I appreciate your candor in some of the questions because I know some of them may be a little pressing. But I is a South Kakalakian. Okay. And <laughs> so I, I want to know these things too. And right. I understand your position is much different than mine. But it is, it's an entrusted position that you're, you're going for. And just like this, this guy we've got in there now, who is, you know, I mean, he's a sellout. We, we know that. And I'm, you know, I used to think maybe Henry McMaster might be a little better for, he's probably better for us than some other people. But I, I've seen him over the past couple of years just kind of, you know, be kind of squishy and, and fast and loose with uh, the law and things of that nature. And, you know, I, I, th- I think I speak for a lot of South Carolinians when we say, you know what, we're tired of you people playing politics. We didn't elect you to go in there and play politics. We elected you to uphold the law. And if you're going to play right. politics, then go find somewhere else to do it, but don't do it in our state. And I think that's the frustration that people have. They're tired of politicians who politic. Their yes isn't yes. Their no isn't no. And they're out. They end up being out for themselves. And so. 
this is why some of these questions come. I'm, there's, I'm sure there's a lot more that I could ask you to get into a lot of detail about things that I uh, think about the state. Because one of the things that I've said, if I was governor, one of the things I'd want to do immediately is give 30 days for every federal agency in the state to get out. They have no business here in the state. And, and that okay, seems yeah. radical, but yeah. that's part of the thing that's going there. And we need to get off the dependency of the federal money. Amen. Uh, Amen. Um, and I just want to let you know that I'm really not a politician. I've I ran years a few years ago for a county council seat, lost by like 53 votes. Sometimes I wonder if they didn't just bring in some mules for that one, <laughs> but um, they wanted to keep the incumbent. He's actually still there, and uh, so I am a stateswoman. I am a um, a person who is of the people by the people, and I will represent the people. And you know, I I do agree with a lot of what you're saying here, and what we what we need to do is recognize that we're at war. Most people don't say that out loud, but we are, have been occupied yep. by a globalist communist agenda. We are occupied right now that let these last two years have been that. And both myself and Keith Blanford, who's running for the secretary of state, he's warning people to don't sell your land. The carpetbaggers are coming down here. They're going to give you a pile of money that isn't going to be worth anything next year. You keep your land. I mean, we're starting to we're starting to warn people as good states people that we want to lead the people back to a free South Carolina. We state that we're South Carolina first, not America first. South Carolina first candidate. That's right. That's right. And so I hope that I will have the opportunity because I hope that people don't lose, um, you know, become so defeated that that the kinetic is the only place that we try. Because to me, that's not really the call to duty either. And when you say that people should go and really understand what their civic duties are, it, it's not just the militia. It's not just the Second Amendment. There's, a, there's other things that are civic duties that even if it's hard or, you know, you get demonized or you, it's trying or it's embarrassing or, you know, it costs a lot of money and you feel like you're worn out. If I succumbed to all those things, I would not still be running this race right now. I've only yep. raised $7,000. I'm running a statewide campaign on $27,000 and walking in faith, not by sight. Amen. So I hope I'm an inspiration to other people to get out and do what you can do. Because if I am 55 years old, almost 56, sometimes I even forget like I'm a 56. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, can do this for the next generation. You know, we cannot, I, I go to, sometimes I, you know, I go to places and I hear people complaining about all the next generation. Well, guess what? It's our watch. We're the watch people right now. We're the generation of yep. the people who are wise, supposed to be beacons of light. So we need to be the ambassadors to do that, each one of us. And I'm just in the running for, to be, you know, the next attorney general, which has gone unscrutinized and people have not realized the power that that office holds. But immediately I can go in and file lawsuits to get rid of our the uh, voting machines because they've breached the contracts with those. We paid $51 million for absolute, you know, it doesn't work. Um, we, there's many things that I can do that I am willing to do, 
but I just need the opportunity to get there and do it. So thank you for having me on the show. Sure, sure thing. And uh, Lauren, we appreciate you you taking time, taking some a couple of hard questions, stuff. We probably could have some more here, uh, but we appreciate you coming on and doing that. If you'll hang on, I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And we'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m. with the Common Core Diva for Rotten of the Core Wednesday. See you then.